0: 15 verses 9 through 12. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandment and remain in his love. I tell you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Jerry. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Good, good. I'm Mike. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and I am not an extravagant vacation taker. Uh, Usually, vacations for me consist of hopping in the car with my family of six and driving to California to visit extended family, or driving to the Oregon coast, or driving to Central Oregon, usually all as a whole family. But five years ago, uh, for Steph's and my 10-year anniversary, we got to do something a little bit different. We've been married for 15 years now, but for our 10-year anniversary, we did go extravagant. And we got to go on a vacation to Kauai, uh, which is really an amazing place. If you haven't been there, it's pretty awesome. We saved all of our pennies, pinched our pennies, and saved up what we could. We left our three kids at the time, we had three at the time, um, with uh, grandparents. And then we headed off for a week of just awesome, doing whatever we wanted, Uh, poke bowls. Fresh fish, seafood is my favorite food, and so the seafood there was incredible. Uh, Swimming in the ocean—I mean, it was just an incredible experience. And we hit it hard. It was like 7 a.m. Get up, get out of the condo, and then go out and come back late at the night after you've hit everything that you can on the island. And we did a lot of food experiences too. If you know Steph, my wife food experiences are really important for her. Uh, And one of her food experiences that she really wanted on this trip was to have uh, shave ice from a different place every single day. And so that's what we did. Every single day we tried a, a different or two different or three different shave ice places? No, we never. We never made it to three in one day. And then eventually, Steph found her favorite. And we went back to that one again. Uh, we just did everything that we could. It was an awesome, awesome trip. But one of the things that I will absolutely never forget from that trip is coming home, coming home to our kids. Not because the trip wasn't great. We'll talk about that a little bit more here in a bit. But. Uh, You know, we had three kids at the time, our third, our son, was younger than two years at that age. And this is an age, you know, when kids tend to really cling to their moms quite a bit. And as we got home and we went over uh, to Steph's parents' house and we walked in to greet our kids, we hadn't seen them in a week, I was kind of standing behind Steph. I didn't know, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm excited to see my kids, of course, but Caleb, our little less than two-year-old, sees me and he goes, daddy, 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 daddy. And he ran around everybody, ran straight to me, clung on to me uh, in a way that I've never experienced before. He just wrapped his arms right around my neck. He wrapped his legs around me. And he's like, daddy, daddy. And he just held me close. And he was so excited. Uh, And then, you know, Steph's like, I want a hug. And so, you know, give Steph a hug. And then, and then he came right back to me and he just wanted to hold on for a little bit longer. It was a pretty joyful moment that I'm not going to let go of anytime soon. It was a pretty, it was an awesome experience. Uh, those uh, kinds of joyful experiences I think we need to hear about right now because for the last several weeks, we've been talking about hatred and anger and jealousy and sorrow. And today, we're flipping the switch. We're getting to the good stuff, and today we're talking about joy. We've been spending nine weeks in this series, or we're going, we're going to spend nine weeks in this series on the emotions of God. And we're recognizing that we are emotional creatures and that our creator is an emotional uh, being as well. And throughout this whole experience, as we're looking at the different emotions of God, the ways that the Bible describes all of these emotions that he's experiencing, we're recognizing that we are made in God's image. God is not made in our image. And so the way that we experience emotions isn't necessarily the way that God experiences them. And we're reminding ourselves every single week that God is good. Right? Because as we read these descriptions, these passages, and for certain emotions in particular about God, it could be a little bit triggering for us at times. And so we want to hold on to that anchor point that even though some of these things can sound a little disturbing, God is good. We trust that God is good. And throughout this whole series, We've got a big read, that's what we call it, and we have a book to read along with the series, also called The Emotions of God by Dr. David Lamb. We have fewer than 20 copies that are left out there, but we're encouraging everyone to read along in this book as we go through the series, so that it's additional learning for you to help you in your discipleship and in your formation as you follow Jesus, and I also want you to know that we have resources for you as well. As we talk about some of these emotions, they can bring up certain things for us that we need to process through. Uh, last week, we released our first podcast in a series of podcasts where we interview uh, therapists to kind of go a little bit deeper on some of these emotions. Um, we also love you. And we care about you. And a pastor would love to sit down and talk with you if there's you just need to talk with somebody about some of the things you're processing through. Or if you need a referral list of therapists, we have that as well. Whatever we can do to try and help you as we're navigating all these emotions that we're seeing in God. But you don't have to worry about today, right? Because we're talking about joy. No more hatred, no more anger, no more jealousy. No more sorrow, we're talking about joy. This is gonna be the feel-good message of the year. (laughs) Sickeningly sweet. (laughs) Like Kenneth Parcell, sickeningly sweet. (laughs) Really sweet. Because this is what Christian joy looks like, right? Never a negative thought, never an ill temper, no matter what the circumstances are, you're joyful, you've got the biggest, cheesiest smile on your face, and you're feeling really good, right? This is a, actually this is a pretty tough message for me to preach on. Preaching on anger a few weeks ago was a little bit easier for me than preaching on joy right now. Joy's been a struggle for me in my journey of faith. Um, For me, I tend to be, I would say, my disposition is fairly happy. I like to smile. I like to joke around. I like being around people and interacting with people. I like fun experiences. I try not to be too dour, but underneath all of that, for most of my life, I have experienced a deep and prolonged sadness. So when I came to faith in Jesus and I read a passage like this where Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I wanted to feel that happiness. I wanted the sadness to go away. I wanted something to change. But it didn't really just change like that. That sadness is still there. It's not something that just goes away. And obviously there are a lot of layers to that for who, who, uh, all the experiences and uh, all of my history that have made me who I am and why I feel those things. But I will say that my understanding of joy has changed quite a bit over the course of time as I have followed Jesus. The sadness is still there, and I wouldn't say that I have experienced complete joy or that my joy is overflowing. All of that, though, relates to human joy. And we're supposed to be talking about the emotions of God So we're going to turn here for a little bit to explore this emotion of joy with God before we come back to the human aspect of it and what this means for you and I in thinking about joy. First of all, I think it's really important for us to recognize that God does feel and experience joy. After so many weeks of talking about things like hatred and anger and jealousy and sorrow, it might be a little hard for us to shift gears now and to see God as a joyful being. How many of us in our minds have an image of God as gruff or a little hard or stern That's probably a whole lot of us. See, the uh, the Bible tells us a lot about God, but not everything. And so our imaginations have to fill in the gaps there to kind of get a picture for us of what God is like. And many of us, any of us could do this, where we take all that information that's in the Bible, all those descriptions about God, And then our imagination creates a God who is gruff and hard and harsh. Sometimes we need to reimagine what God is like, go back to the description, how the Bible describes what God is like, and then reimagine what God is like so that we could see him as a joyful being. Dallas Willard, he was a a Christian philosopher and a scholar. He said this, we should think that God leads a very interesting life and that he's full of joy. Undoubtedly, he is the most joyous being in the universe. God is happy. God is delighted. And that's what we see here in our passage today. We see Jesus who is the Son of God, the the fullness of God in the flesh, the exact representation of who God is, he says, verse 11, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Jesus has joy. He is a joyful person. It's not just Jesus either. Jesus actually describes the Father as joyful as well. At one point in his ministry, he tells these three parables right in a row, and he's telling these parables in response to people to kind of show here's how God responds to sinners. Here's how, what God thinks about you and I, basically. And there's a parable about a lost sheep, and there's a parable about a lost coin, and there's a parable about a lost son, Now, all these have in common not just that there's something or someone lost in the parable, but there's joy as a thread throughout all three of these parables. All three of them are found in Luke chapter 15. And after each one, Jesus tells a story, and then he gives a little interpretation for the kingdom of God. So he tells about the, the story of the lost sheep, and then he says, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Then he tells the story of the lost coin. And afterwards he says, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So when somebody comes into relationship with God, is reconciled with God, his whole presence is full of joy. And then Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. You may have heard it as a pretty popular one, but basically there's a father and two sons and one of the sons takes the inheritance from his father and he goes and he squanders it. He comes back in shame thinking he's going to have to be a servant to his father. But his father, of course, runs out and embraces his son and has missed him, loves him, wants to be reunited with him. But the other brother can't really handle that. And so the father at the end of the parable says this to the brother, we had to celebrate this happy day or another translation is this joyous day for your father or your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. All of this joy that we see in God, both in Jesus and in the Father, is there. And God gets joyful about other things as well. If you're reading along uh, with the Big Read and you read this chapter, you'll see things that God is joyous about. His people blessing his people. And he's joyous about wisdom and justice and righteousness In other words, I interpret all of that together to say God cares a lot about his relationship with his people and relationships between his people. When those relationships are going well, that brings God a lot of joy. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah said this about God, says, but those Who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord, who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. So now we're kind of at this hinge point or this pivot point in what we're talking about here. There's the joy of God, but ultimately we need to recognize that that joy is something that needs to be shared. The joy that we see in God is something that needs to be shared. Thomas Aquinas, he was another Christian philosopher, but this time from the 13th century, he said this, the highest joy cannot be possessed without companionship. Now, when he's writing about this, he's writing in the context of the Trinity, one God with three essences Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's making an argument, and he's basically saying the Trinity can't exist because there is joy in God, and that joy has to be shared. So the Trinity has to exist. So there's this love shared between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this connects a lot with our passage here today in John 15. Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. That love that is shared between the Father and the Son and the Spirit Jesus is inviting us into as well. It's in that shared love, in the companionship of the Father and the Son and the Spirit and you, where joy, where real joy is found. Love and joy are thoroughly intertwined. And here's kind of the critical part that we need to understand for all of today is that God is the source and the substance of our joy. God is the source and the substance of our joy. And if you're like me, you hear that and you get a little cynical and you're like, okay, well, that's a nice cheesy phrase. Thanks, Mike. But my circumstances, but the things that I feel but we live in reality here. Aren't you going to tell me what I can do to experience more joy today? Well, we'll get to some practical things, but I'm gonna keep pointing us back to this because it's at the heart of everything. And everything that I've been studying leading up to this, reading people from the 3rd century, 4th century, 13th century, all the way to a book that was written a few years ago by a therapist who says, God has got to be the source and the substance of our joy. Another aspect that we see of joy in this passage here is in verse 10. Verse 10 says, When you obey my commands... You remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So, joy isn't just a shared love between the Father, Son, and the Spirit, or just a shared love between God and us, but there's actually a commandment there to follow. Jesus follows the commands, the instructions of God, just as we are to follow the instructions of God. This is an aspect of demonstrating trust, that we trust that the instructions of God are good and right for us, that what God tells us, how he wants us to live our lives, are good and right for us. And we trust that aspect of what he's saying, and so we obey the command, and that leads to joy. And what does God want from us? Well, I mean, there's a whole lot in the Bible about that, but if I were to give you one example, let's look at another prophet here. This is Micah, Micah chapter 6. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus puts it a different way here in this passage in verse 12. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. That love that's there between the Father and the Son and the Spirit and then is shared with us through Jesus, we are to share With other people, and when we do that, Jesus says our joy will be made complete. It will be overflowing when we trust Him in that love and then share that with other people. Peter Kreef, he's a Christian philosopher, which is now the third time I've quoted a Christian philosopher today. But he says faith or trust is another word for faith. Faith. Love and joy are a package deal. All of those things go together. Trust has to be there in order to have a truly loving relationship. And trust is also the demonstration of that loving relationship. And then it's in the love of God where joy is found. Faith, love, and joy are a package deal. All right, we've been kind of slowly shifting to human joy away from the emotion of God. So let's just dive in now and talk about joy for us, human joy. And if we're going to do that, we should probably talk a little bit about what joy is or what it's like. I think all of us want to experience joy in some way. At some level, we want to experience joy. That was my experience when I came to faith in Jesus. I wanted to be happy. I wanted the joy that Jesus was offering, but I struggled to experience it. And a lot of that was because of the expectations that I had for joy. There was a certain thing that I expected joy to be, and my expectations weren't met in that moment at that time in my life. Basically, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to not experience unpleasant things. And this could be a challenge for us in thinking about joy is that it's pretty easy to conflate these three things together, happiness and pleasure and joy. But the three are distinct. Happiness is a mental state. It's something that I experience in my mind. Pleasure relates to the body. It's something that is a physical experience for me. Joy is what connects to the core of who I am. It's joy that actually connects with my soul, that goes deeper. To go back to that story of Kauai, Steph and I experienced a ton of happiness on that trip. I mean, we were footloose and fancy free. We could do whatever we wanted and we were eating fresh fish all the time and we were, there was the, you know, it was was great conversation. Uh, There was just time between the two of us. And we experienced a lot of pleasure on that trip as well. The warmth of the sun, swimming in the ocean with tortoises Uh, all kinds of things that we did. There was a lot of pleasure and happiness. And, honey, there was a lot of joy, too, just between you and I. A lot of joy in that experience as well. But the point of the story that I was getting to is that homecoming with Caleb and that memory that I will never forget. I will never forget that moment of being reunited with Caleb and just hearing him yell, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And the joy he had at us coming back together. I mean, that's a happy circumstance, but the point is that joy, because it's not happiness or pleasure, it's very connected to them, but it's not them, that we can actually experience joy in different kinds of circumstances that don't relate to happiness or to pleasure, If you listen to John's message last week, he did a really great job at the end of connecting sorrow with joy, that we can experience those things at the same time or that even that uh, grief and sorrow that we have carves out a reservoir for us in our souls that can then be filled with joy. We have more capacity for joy because of the grief and the sorrow that we've experienced at different times. There was somebody who emailed us after that sermon to say uh, to talk about the griefs and the joys that they have experienced in life. And that person said, "My my uh, by my estimation, at least half of all the mentions of joy in the Bible are actually around negative circumstances." Where the circumstances aren't good, but the joy is still there. And in fact, that's what we see in our passage here in what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about overflowing joy. But then right afterwards, he says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. He's talking about his own death. And then right after that, he says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. And then he goes on to talk about what his disciples are going to experience. They're going to be arrested. They're going to be beaten. They're going to die. It's in the context of that that he's talking about overflowing joy. Then you have things like Jesus' brother, James, who writes a letter to the church a little bit later. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Thanks, James. It's really helpful there. The reason why James could write that, though, is because of what Jesus is saying here, that the love shared between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that is also shared with you in a loving and trusting relationship is where joy ultimately is going to be found, not in our circumstances. It's in a trust that we can, in those circumstances, experience joy or trusting that we will experience joy again. Because we can experience those things at the same time, grief and joy, because joy doesn't override our other emotions. It overlaps with them. Grief and joy can be there simultaneously. A few years ago, I did a memorial service for a six-year-old girl. And it was a hard service to do. And it it was a girl that we had known her whole life. Uh, The parents had adopted her knowing that she had severe medical uh, complications and wasn't going to live too long. Um, And they did their best job in six years to love this child, to care for her, and to provide every joy that they could for her. I can still picture Natalie's, I can hear Natalie's laugh. Natalie was her name. I'm confident that those friends of ours, those parents, every time they think of Natalie now, that there is both grief and joy there at the same time. Or I think about uh, a real current event here is uh, Tim Keller. If you know Tim Keller, really influential pastor in the American church, has just had a ton of influence. You all have been influenced by him, even if you didn't realize it, because a lot of the pastors here have been influenced by him, and so we've passed that along. But great, uh, just seemed like such a remarkable person. He'd passed away on Friday from prostate cancer. And some of his last words that he said that his family posted publicly Some of his last words were, uh, there is absolutely no downside to me leaving. Not in the slightest. Well, I don't know, Tim. How about for your family? (laughs) But it was his family that's posting that. It's his family that's sharing that because my guess is his family can share both the grief of losing their father their husband, their grandfather, and at the same time, the joy of knowing that his experience is something much different now, and that for him, there is no downside to him leaving. Without us understanding the the, the source and the substance of our joy in relation to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and without us being connected to that source and to that substance of joy, circumstances like that get really hard. And we end up looking toward other things, other people, or even looking to ourselves for our joy. And when we do that, we are going to be left wanting. We're going to be dissatisfied with with the outcome. And we may even end up in despair and in depression when we try to source our joy somewhere else other than God. That's why Jesus says three times in this passage, remain in my love. You remain in my love, remain in my love. That doesn't take away the pain when we're connected to that source and to that substance. It doesn't take away the other emotions. It doesn't change the other emotions. It certainly doesn't change our circumstances all the time. But, it does redirect us to where we, are fi- where we will find true joy and not a substitute for it. Because that's the temptation for us is that we go to look for a substitute for joy rather than going to the source and to the substance of joy. Now what I don't want you to hear from that is like, oh great, Uh, God is the source and the substance of joy, so I need to lean into my relationship to God more. Maybe I haven't been doing that very much lately, or maybe I never have in life before, and so I'm gonna start to read my Bible more, and I'm gonna start to pray more, and those are good things, I want you to do those things. But after a week or two, if you're like, why hasn't it changed? Why hasn't everything around me changed? I don't want you to be discouraged By that, because that was my problem when I was first coming to faith and walking that journey with God. My expectation was, Give me joy now, please. But that's not how it happens. It's in the long term, building that relationship, that loving, trusting relationship with God. Where we begin to experience a more full, not the fullest overflowing one yet, but a more full sense of joy. Because here's the thing you can't force joy, you can't make it happen. It doesn't just happen like that, it's not something that we can control. But when we lean into God, we're going to be more open to the joy that's there that he's offering us. Okay, so let's get toward the end here by getting to some of those more practical things, though. I said that I would do that because there are some things that you can do to actually help foster or cultivate or build up more joy in your life. We're going to call those the joy riders, okay? And on the flip side of that, there are things that you can do that absolutely destroy joy in your life or just slowly chip away at your capacity for joy. We'll call those joy killers, so, we got joy writers and joy killers, and we're gonna talk about both of those. But before I do, I just wanna reiterate one more time that these things the joy killers and the joy uh, writers, building the joy writers in and eliminating more of the joy killers, those are good things to do in our lives, but it will only get us so far without turning to God and fostering that relationship where true joy is found in that source and in that substance. Augustine, uh, St. Augustine, he was a theologian in the 4th uh, and 5th centuries. He wrote a book called The Confessions, which was his journey of conversion. And um, it's a remarkable book. If you haven't read it, you might want to give it a try. But he says in The Confessions, he says, My sin constituted, uh, was constituted in this that I sought pleasure, beauty, and truth, not from God, but from myself and from his other creatures. That's ancient wisdom right there for us to listen to. Let's talk first about the joy kills, and or the kill joys, sorry, the kill joys. And the kill joys are those things that we go to to try and find pleasure or happiness rather than true joy. They end up being a distraction from us and we do it because it's something we can control. C.S. Lewis, he said this, joy is never in our power and pleasure often is. We'll move toward the things that we have power over Because joy is not in our power as much. So I'm going to move away from teaching here for a little bit and just towards some more interaction with you. So I'm looking for responses. And the first question is, what are your killjoys? Or maybe what are some common killjoys if you don't want to divulge your own personal killjoys? What are some killjoys for us? Ice cream. Ice cream actually is a really good one. Uh, Eating and drinking often for us becomes something that we go to for pleasure or happiness uh, in a destructive way that absolutely kills joy and does not build joy into our lives. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. Overeating, exactly, connects to that precise one of the eating and drinking. Yep, good. What other killjoys do we have? Traffic. Traffic. <laughs> Traffic is definitely uh, a killjoy. Uh, in fact, I was, uh, I was, uh, we were having some friends over for dinner last night, and one of them is a psychologist, and he was talking about studies on joy, and he was like, the one circumstantial thing that people cannot seem to get over is traffic. It's like the one consistent thing for everybody. When you're stuck in traffic, it's a killjoy. Good. All right. What, else? what other killjoys do we have? Resentment. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. Remember, Jesus is talking about our loving relationships here. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Here's my commandment, that you go and love one another. But when our expectations aren't met in a relationship with another person, and suddenly we're hurt, we feel like that love and trust is broken, we've got a path that we can choose. We can choose a healing and restorative path, which doesn't necessarily mean restoring the relationship, or we can true, choose a resentment and a hatred and an anger path. And the further down each one of those paths you go, the harder it is to get back to the other side. Good. Hold on, I got a call on somebody else here. Addictions. Addictions, yes, absolutely. There are so many things that we become addicted to that are uh, ways for us to cope with the disappointments of our lives. And so we look to those things for our pleasure and happiness rather than joy. One more killjoy. Social media, statistically, statistically, by science, is a killjoy. I want you to hear that social media statistically reduces joy in people's lives. It has a harmful effect on us. So screens of all kinds, you know, how much we look at our phone, which connects to addiction. We've got watching TV sometimes, there's the eating and drinking that we talked about. How about taking the easy route? Sometimes we take the easy route in life rather than doing the hard and necessary thing that will lead to better joy in the end. How about being self-focused? Rather than being focused on God or on other people, the more we look inward continuously, the more it's gonna kill our joy. All right, let's talk about some joy riders here really quick. What are some things that cultivate joy in your life or In lives generally that you know about? Ice cream. I'm done. I'm out of here. (laughs) Oh, that was fantastic. As with all eating and drinking, it can be a killjoy or a joy rider. One hundred percent. Don't hear that eating good things or drinking good things is bad. It's they can be both killjoys and joy riders. Good. What? Being united with other people. Absolutely. A great joy writer, and in fact, an essential joy writer for us is to be in relational connection with other people, which is a big point of what's being said today, right? Just as God within God's self is in a relationship and invites us into that relationship, God also says, now you go maintain all of the relationships that you're in as well with love and care and trust. Good. Give me one more giving or serving. That's a really good one. So this last week we interviewed Tristan Collins. Uh, She's a local therapist. And in her book, uh, which has been really a very helpful resource, her and her husband who wrote the book together, they talk about um, uh, ways of cultivating joy that have to do with generosity and Sabbath. Those are two that they they mention. If you can build in a Sabbath rest in your life and be generous, you are much more likely to be joyful. And then the other one that is, I think, really intuitive for us but hard to practice all the time is gratitude. Practicing gratitude, being thankful for the experiences, for the things, for the day, no matter how mundane, even the hard things, how those can be there's all kinds of other things that we can do that are the joy riders in our lives like doing things that have more meaning for us in life rather than just the things that make us happy or give us some some pleasure okay are we ready to wrap it up here today i think we are i've kept you long today i apologize for that I think you'll experience joy in the moment, depending on how you view this circumstance, though. Which is really how I want to conclude, because because as I've already said, (laughs) uh, it's bad when you laugh at your own joke more than anybody else does. (laughs) Uh, That's bringing me joy, though, so. uh. As I've already said, you can't force joy. You can't make it happen. You can't buy it. You can't uh, create all the right circumstances. And even if you do all the joy builders, all the joy writers, and you get rid of all the joy killers, you still have to rely on that source from God. But one thing you can control is how you uh, perceive your circumstances. You can choose How you respond to your circumstances. You can choose how you construe any particular situation. So I'm going to leave you with this quote from Eugene Peterson, another very influential pastor in America. He says, We can decide to live in response to the abundance of God and not under the dictatorship of our own poor needs. We can decide to live in the environment of a living God and not our own dying selves. We can decide to center ourselves in the God who generously gives and not in our own egos, which greedily grab. One of the certain consequences of such a life is joy. For me, in my own journey of faith, I have made a lot of strides in my life in experiencing joy. And some of that comes from Introducing some of the joy riders into my life. And some of it comes from eliminating those kill joys until they manage to creep their way back in and I have to try and eliminate them again. But I'm confident that the biggest factor in me experiencing more joy over the last 15 years has been my maturing relationship and connection with God and my maturing view of who I am as one of God's beloved children. That closeness to God which is not always there but which I've tried to cultivate over the years and continue to try to cultivate That is what has brought me more joy than any other thing that I've done. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, for the love and the joy that you have within yourself and the love and the joy that you freely give, that you freely offer to us so generously. I pray, God, for everyone in this room, everyone who's watching for those in particular who just need some encouragement right now, that they are faced with difficult circumstances, hard relationships, chronic sadness, whatever it is, I pray God that through your spirit you would begin to cultivate joy in their lives. And that as they plant the seeds to prepare the soil that you would bring about the growth of joy in their lives. I pray, God, you'd even surprise us with moments of instant and full joy through your Spirit. We look to you, we trust you, we love you. Amen.